<laughs> Boys, it's the Exit 52 Instant Analysis live after it is Ravens Smackdown over the Seattle Seahawks 37-3. to It's me, Spenny, and Banks coming at you guys. This was a lovely, lovely, lovely day of Baltimore Ravens football as they've been over the last few weeks as the Ravens dominate um, the Seahawks from bell to bell, really never in doubt throughout the entirety of this one, save for a bit of a slow start. Um, an ass whooping, gents, an ass whooping. Spenny, what are your initials? A, a tushy oh. kicking. Oh, excuse me, a tushy kicking, yes. Tushy. You guys might have been at bars or at the game. At some point, JT kicks a field goal, and maybe late in the third quarter, and Tony Romo calls it a tushy kicking. Mm. But go ahead, Cook, Spen. What a what a good boy that Tony Romo is, a tushy kicking. That just makes everybody feel warm. It even makes the Seahawks not feel bad about themselves. Baltimore Ravens have outscored two top dogs coming out of the NFC. What is it, 75-9 to nine at home in the last two home games? Ravens outgain the – and I'm, I'm – I'll be the first to say it. I'm not a yards guy. They outgained it by 350 yards. The Seahawks were 1-for-12 on third down. Didn't convert a fourth down. Turned the football over, got sacked, couldn't do anything, couldn't run the ball effectively. Kenneth Walker is known to not follow his gap, and that can be effective. That can lead to a big play. Well, it didn't. DK Metcalf catches a, I guess it was just a you know run of the mill kind of crosser concept before the end of the first half. The Ravens end up keeping the Seahawks off the board. I believe that was like a 55 yard gain or so, maybe a 60 yard gain. And man, just wire to wire control. And what we covered in the preview was just that before the Lions game, the Lions hadn't seen a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. They did play the, the Kelsey-less Chiefs week one, which felt a little flat. And then again, in, in this prediction, I thought that the Seahawks would be maybe just a little more talented, a little bit more prepared considering what the Ravens did to the Lions and see this as, oh shit, the Ravens are a buzzsaw going there as an NFC team. And they kind of kept it close early. It was 7 nothing, I think, early in the second quarter. And then Lamar Jackson just is better, man. I mean, he's just better than the NFC. I don't think that any team other than the Eagles, who do have a good quarterback and are probably more talented on paper than the Ravens, can really hang. I think the NFC is weak and pathetic, and I think Lamar Jackson runs the NFC. That's one way to put it. I uh, I struggle to think about all the things we wanted to do and weren't able to do today because there were very few of those things. Um, a couple careless plays, I suppose, like the Beckham fumble was kind of freakish, but caused by carelessness. Uh, Lamar got stripped at one point, and then there were a couple uh, messy exchanges. Other than that, they literally did everything they wanted. Came out of the gates maybe a tiny bit slow. And then late in the first quarter, they just turned it on. They were just dumping balls down to Andrews, and he was picking up 8, 12, 15 yards at a time. Um, Keaton Mitchell, I mean, what a coming out party for him. We've seen him do some pretty cool things in the preseason. Um, I guess we knew we ha he had it in him a little bit. But, I mean, that run, um, I mean, the touchdown run was pretty eye-opening, the way he, he closed that out and, and got to the end zone. But the one – late in the game where he took the sideline, made multiple guys miss. And I mean, that was just a dynamic play. Uh, like I love Gus Edwards coming downhill, but he's not making a play like that. It's just, we have all kinds of different ways to dice you up offensively right now. It's it. it I am constantly caught trying to compare this team to the 2019 Ravens. It's a dangerous game. It's dangerous. They're different. Is it better? I don't know. Uh, like, what's your take on that? I think our, our friend Rita put it well. I believe someone was making that comparison, and she said this team is just built to win in the postseason. It is a quarterback-centric offense that allows Lamar Jackson to dictate and make decisions pre-snap and post-snap at a complete professional level, pro-style Quote unquote is always a big buzzword. It is a pro style system, which means it is asking a lot of the quarterback. The quarterback is able to make full field reads, check in and out of run plays, and dictate what he wants at the line of scrimmage. So it's enabling probably the most athletic quarterback to ever play quarterback, one of the winningest quarterbacks to ever play quarterback, 
one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play quarterback, one of the most unique quarterbacks to ever play quarterback to be the offense. It is not a system. The quarterback is the system. And you start to see ancillary pieces. Rashad Bateman makes some plays. Isaiah likely has a big catch early. Suddenly Keaton Mitchell, who my big question for Keaton Mitchell, we saw him in the preseason. He was more than comfortable on some outside zone, scurry around the outside and up the sideline, show the burst. That all looked great. My question was, does this guy have pop in his pads? Can he be physical? Can he withstand NFL defenses resoundingly and even I don't even know if we saw it even on full display yet but he runs behind his pads and is able to create a forward momentum like a track star that is also coordinated and ran through contact contact balance core strength clean feet that were ready and chomping he didn't lose balance you didn't see any moment where and I don't want to rip on Justice Hill but a lot of times you'll see Justice Hill get out over his skis and kind of lose balance, lose momentum, and then have to kind of catch himself and fall forward. That wasn't the case. Keith Mitchell looked legit. Gus Edwards looks like he's rounding into form as well. This offensive line beyond that feels like they're starting to get some push. McCary comes in for Morgan Moses, and McCary is obviously an unsung. McCary's like the new Kelly Gregg. Like Ravens fans know McCary and love McCary. He's not underrated. Kelly Gregg was the most underrated player for – a decade. He wasn't underrated because everybody said he's underrated. Pat McCarry's a stud. Uh, so this offense, like you said, Brian, they went under center. They ran the ball from under center. They ran play action from under center. They had straight dropbacks from under center. They went into spread. They ran the ball from spread 40% of their plays. They went into play action. They did the option run game. They did RPOs. There was no Stone left unturned offensively. They used the whole playbook, the whole conceptual branches. There was West Coast. There was option run game. There's under center stuff, all of these elements. So that is winning football. In my opinion, the best offense is every offense. And my favorite offense ever is like the prime 2010s Aaron Rodgers Packers. They did all of those things minus maybe the option run game. So you've got another element, another wrinkle. So I think that the Lions and the Seahawks are good teams, not great teams. I think they're B-tier teams with B-tier quarterbacks. And the Baltimore Ravens B-tiered their ass. They sent them packing, not even to mention what they did defensively. So it was a lot of fun. The bank was popping. It was an awesome game. The city's picking up. The team's picking up. They've won, what, four in a row now? So Awesome team, awesome effort, fun, fun, fun. Live it up, enjoy it. This is what we spend money, spend time, spend effort, spend thoughts, make this podcast, do all these things to appreciate these games and these moments. So it was freaking sweet to watch. Yeah, I agree with with pretty much everything you guys have said. Obviously, um, one of the things I I think you know about the the start, you know, it's kind of a feeling out drive of the first offensive drive. Then they get you know put on the two yard line. So even after that punt, I, you know, you're not like worried that they don't have a good day. And then from there, they essentially did whatever they wanted. The unit to me that I wanted to point out, because you did, did a great job breaking down what they did offensively. The defensive line is so freaking impressive week after week after week. What they do creating pressure, what they do, as you said, in the run game, you know, there was just – the Seahawks had nothing. And they set the tone for the entire they, – they set the tone at the beginning of these games um, by just – not letting opposing offenses really do much of anything that they're trying to do. Um, and I said, when we talked about it in the podcast, you mean Eric, uh, Brian, to me, Geno Smith is just not a quarterback that can beat this Ravens team. I said that there's just, and, and you called him B tier Spenny. That's a perfect way to put it. Like he, unless things go wrong, unless the Ravens turn the ball over a number of times, unless they're just having a bad day, He's not walking into that stadium and beating a Ravens team. Did I necessarily think it was going to be this much of a blowout? I did not. But the Ravens did what they were supposed to do to like the A-plus degree against a quarterback like that. It's just going to take way more than that guy to come in and beat this Ravens team. And that's because they're just so good at each level defensively. There's just not really a lot of weaknesses at this point. The Ravens haven't blown a coverage. There has not been a receiver running downfield uncovered and gets hit. I, I'm I'm probably going to miss one. I don't think that's happened this season. 
And what's crazy about that, and I'm, that's a great thing to mention, the complaints the last two seasons were that that was happening way too much. Like that there were – like the Ravens did give up a lot of big plays. They really haven't this year. They obviously gave the one up to Metcalf, but then they just tighten it up and and nothing comes of it. I, and that play to Metcalf was oh, not a, a third-level deep ball. It was a crosser over the yep. middle, and he caught it and ran through and kind yeah, of he's an athletic freak. He got some space. Two-minute defense. The, there just hasn't been – a bomb. No one's caught a bomb no. on them. It's it's November yeah. and no one's caught a bomb on them. It's insane. Yeah. And they and a lot of times it's because there's not enough time for a bomb to develop because they're just all yeah. over the quarterback. I mean, it, they were so like after the like midway through the second quarter, I was like the first thing I'm mentioning on this podcast is the defensive line. It's just like it's it, and you ended up texting about Metabuke Spenny and I was like we're all on the same page. I mean, that guy is amazing. He's just playing out of his mind and the rest of the guys are going with him. And it allows your guys at every other level to make plays. So I just continually week after week are very impressed by them. And this Ravens, what to me, the great difference over this in 2019 is this defensive unit is better. I mean, they are doing like, they just look untouchable at this point. Now, eventually we'll get to a game where they don't play as well and everyone will probably freak out or whatever. But at this point, like there's so much proof in, in this, this defense is putting, I know everyone cares so much about the offense because the change of coordinator and what Lamar can, what, what Lamar can be assigned in long-term, but man, what they've done constructing this defense and what Mike McDonald has done. They're just, it's just incredibly impressive to me. And in comparison to that 29 defense or 2019 defense, they're smarter. It's more of a true scheme as opposed to wink Martindale doing the, we're going to play man. We're going to blitz. We're going to line up. It's going to be mono a mono. You know what we're doing. You, we know what you're doing. It's the exact opposite in that sense. It is a cerebral, disciplined, completely fleshed out, intelligent defense in the sense of simulating pressure, stunting, disguising coverage, having versatile safeties, versatile linebackers. We, I mean, it's getting out of control. Kyle Van Noy is back-to-back sacks in this game. It's it's reaching a point of ins- like hilarity that Kyle Van Noy is just decimating the Seattle Seahawks who are in first place in the West in November. They're, you know, maybe not a 13-win team, but they're probably a 10-win team. And Kyle Van Noy is just ripping their hearts out on that DK Metcalf drive. Adafi Owe does an inside spin move, completely whoops him. Geno Smith is getting berated, throws another silly pick to Ed Geno Stone-Reed. Like, what is going on? What is going on? Kyle Hamilton had a touchdown today. I mean, that was all caused by the pressure, but, I mean, it's just – Quarterbacks, like we said, that are B tier, such as Geno Smith, eventually they're going to get sick and tired of having people in their face and they're going to make a mistake like that. And we have yet to really cash one in on. Do we have any defensive touchdowns this year? I don't know that we do. And I feel like there's multiple opportunities where we could have had them and it just hasn't come to fruition. It's definitely and it's coming. It's building towards a strip sack touchdown at some point. I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, they're, the they're is, I mean, Jadevian oh, Clowney had one Clowney. in front of him. He dropped that one. Um, Geno Stone just doesn't want to take the ball to the house, all those kinds of things. So mm. definitely, I think we see maybe against the Brownies, maybe maybe it's time in a rock yeah, and Bank Stadium. Exactly. And I would say really the best quarterback the Ravens have played so far is Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, who I, I'll give you if you want to say he was hobbled. I think he was playing a little bit of possum. Oh, the Ravens kind of beat his ass, and he kind of, you know, was like, yeah, I'm not feeling this one. I'm a little hobbled. He did kind of start to figure it out a little later, a little. And that is the most progress any quarterback has made. Gardner Minshew beat them throwing up a fucking jump ball to Michael Pittman, like whatever. Kenny Pickett has a George Pickens touchdown at the end of a game. There just hasn't been any consistent trouble from a single quarterback they've played thus far. And it's about to turn up. We'll see, you know, whatever happens with Watson. Then we'll see Burrow. Then we'll see Stafford. Then we'll see Tua Tugboiloa, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. So it's really exciting to see this upcoming stretch of quarterbacks. The Ravens being 7-2, and two, controlling their own destiny, all of those things, makes that more intriguing, I think, from a national perspective as well as a fan perspective where it's like, all right, this team's fucking good, so I'm excited to see them get tested as opposed to, oh, man, I'm worried about how this game might go. It's like an interesting chess battle that I think is really intriguing from the fan perspective where you're like, oh, 
oh, it's going to be cool when they play Justin Herbert. Oh, it's going to be cool when they play Trevor Lawrence. That'll be fun to watch. Not like to your point, Taylor, like, oh, the, the, the meme, oh, shit, here we go again. It's not like that. It feels like, all right, let's see what they can do. Let's yeah. see this test. The unit is proven. They're good. They're good. Like yeah. they may have a performance where a you know Tua or Justin Herbert or or whatever or or Kyle Shanahan's offense when they play the 49ers gets the best of them, but they are good. They are not going to give much against a non-elite offensive scheme or or offensive player. That'd be you know Mahomes you've seen the playoffs or whatever it might be. Here's my question to both of you, fine gents. Are the Ravens the best team in the NFL right now? Mm, I will say that them and the Chiefs are the best two teams in the NFL. That will be my statement. I think that Steve Spagnolo also has a really smart, disciplined defense. I think the Ravens have – I don't even want to say they have more talent. They kind of just match – they they're kind of similar offensively overall. Mahomes will make things happen. Lamar Jackson will make things happen. I think that – and in my preseason prediction, Jake and I have been doing for the last five years, 32-team – 256 game complete actual breakdown. My prediction was that the Chiefs and the Ravens meet in either the divisional or AFC championship round, and that's going to be an all-time classic. And I feel like we are on that trajectory. So I'll say the Ravens and the Chiefs are the two best teams in the NFL. And I, I mean, the Eagles, sure. They're, Eagles, sure. They're just on the other side of the globe. Like they're on the other pole. So I don't know. I don't they know. Don't I don't know if you were napping, but the way they just tried to close out that game against Dallas, yikes. Yeah, they're and, int- they're very interesting. They make it very interesting. They've been getting super sketchy, Brian well, Johnson. House cat behavior by them down the stretch. Uh, they don't feel as doggish as they did last year. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the conversation is is us or the Chiefs right now. As, as much as we want to beat our chest, you know, for two of the last three games, the way we've just, just absolutely – bundled two good teams here at home um we we don't really have the right to claim that i guess and the chiefs yeah they lost to the broncos last week and um i don't know we, it, it it wouldn't be our style to come out and say that we are the best team in the league i'll say that and i like it that way they haven't proven um, anything to take that away from a patrick Mahomes. agree agree and I guess I want to back up a little bit as to why I like where we're at so much. And in terms of the 2019 comparison, like it's the versatility. That's the word that you use there, Jake. We're one size fits all on both sides of the ball. And I'm I'm cooking up a little take here. And it seems like we're not, when we're running our script first 10, 15 plays offensively, there's not a ton of success but there's a fleshing out process. And once we just get into a, here's what they're giving us. We're taking it. We're taking it. We're taking it. We're taking it this way, that way, every way. Like that's we're humming when we're in that mode. And it's so consistent at this point offensively that um, we, we could just beat teams so many different ways. And that's going to go a very long way in the long run. And to your, to your point. So like we said, I mean, they can go under center. They can go into shotgun. They can do straight drop back. They can do the option. Yada, yada, yada. The Roman offense was, we're going to do our strengths and you have to stop them. Mm-hmm. They still possess that ability, especially in the power run game. But now it feels like have fleshed out, I think is the perfect way to put it, the ability to be cerebral at the line of scrimmage and take the low-hanging fruit. Take what the defense gives you. All of the cliches. I didn't watch the coverage today. I'm sure Tony Romo said that 45 times. Lamar was just, oh, here's my matchup with a receiver on a linebacker. Oh, Andrews is on this guy. Oh, we have numbers on this side. I'm going to check into a run. Oh, I have space. I'm going to roll out. Oh, the option defender bit on the running back, so I take it outside. It was just easy if then and is cerebral. But then they've been really good in goal to go, running the football down teams' throats since that Titans game where the Titans stood up to them in the goal-to-go situations. Tucker ends up kicking six field goals. Gus Edwards, a little bit of Justice Hill, a little bit of Lamar. They're running the team, running the ball down teams' throats in power situations. I think part of that is to do with continuity of their offensive line, especially on that left side. You know, they do lose Moses, but McCarry is a, an easy slide in there. So love that point. They are uh, they're like an amoeba that can kind of just form into whatever they need to. They can 
be the shape they need to, they can get the job done. Yeah, the 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 only comment I'll make about Lamar from this one, and other than what you guys have said and the overall build of what he's done the last three or four weeks, is just he and Spen. You kind of touched on it there with the way he makes his decisions. He just continually looks so in control in all these games. I mean, that is there's just like a level of you know when people freak out have freaked out about Lamar in the past. It's almost like he's too much of a whirling dervish, or there's too much hesitation. Like, he just looks so in control of everything that he's doing. And he's like, it's it's almost like more impressive when he doesn't have to make all of the super impressive Lamar Jackson plays. That's almost when his best games are when it's not the like 60 yard run for a touchdown or it's not this. Or, it's like when he's so in control, it's just hard, very going to be very hard for people to stop that offense. Um, and, and then like we have guys that we haven't even gotten to like Mark Andrews had, nine for 80 today and just every time they felt like they needed a first down they got the ball to them and they just offensively they're just kind of using all these guys very well and then good job appeasing odell beckham at the, at the end of the game and getting with td yeah that's yeah. how you coach baby keep sticking <laughs> on the field throw him the ball force the ball into him twice and get, finally gets it he gets to do his dance he gets his cake at the end of the game that's good job that's john harbaugh's best coaching job of the year hey odell we got you the ball we got exactly you the ball. Terrible fumble, but we got you the ball. Um, the and the Ravens, one thing Lamar has to clean up is the fumbles. He's got to get those a little bit more under control. It's always him and Justice Hill. It's the third time this year. Yeah, and the one and and Jerome even pointed out the one um, where he got stripped the, the first fumble of the game. You know, there wasn't a ton he could do about that. The, the pressure came unbelievably quickly. So Ronnie Stanley has to take Ronnie a Stanley did get worked on that. And that was definitely concerning, yeah. but uh, Boye Mafe is also registered a sack and I think six straight games and yeah, he's very good. Pro, might be an all-pro player and beat Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. Uh, oh, so my God. They can hit him with a taunting? Oh, just Josh Allen touchdown here. Love oh, it. my God. Love no, it. but he may, be, he may be flagged for taunting because he pointed and laughed at a guy as he was walking in the end zone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tack that on, baby. Tack that on. We'll, we'll, we'll kick the ball a little bit further back. Ravens ran for – I mean, I'm going to take out the two kneels. They ran 39 times for 300 yards, 7.69. Nice. Yards per carry, three touchdowns. Gus Edwards has five touchdowns in the last two weeks. You go look at the receivers. How many people do you think caught a ball in this game? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys caught a pass in this game. The reason it felt like 2019 is because Tyler Huntley, like RG3, is in with 11 minutes and 52 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. Yep. I thought the exact same thing. It's like, oh, here's it's the like, backup with 10 minutes to go. It's like a college game. And I really didn't think a Pete Carroll team would get drummed to that point at all. I was pretty shocked by that. Um, and, and to your point, there were fumbles. The Seahawks had opportunities to flip the script, but with Lamar in control and their defense being so disciplined and creative, it's just there's there's no just a quarterback hasn't just turned the knob and seen into the matrix of the Ravens defense and hit them and hit them and hit them and hit them 10 times in a row just hasn't happened. They mix things up so much. They're playing so smart. I mean, it's they're wagon, man. They're buttsaw right now. And it's smart football, smart, creative football. The Seahawks also just couldn't find any semblance of a running game. And at that point, when they're, when you're one dimensional, you just, I don't think you have much of a chance. I guess especially on the road. Yeah. Yeah, they just could never get the game. Like once the Ravens got out in front, the other thing they, they the Ravens did a great job of, and and this has been a complaint for for a couple of seasons. And they're they're finishing games really really well right now over this like last few game stretch. Like they did whatever they 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 you know going down field goal, get the ball back, go down field goal. Like they just continued to kind of pile it on, and then just eventually broke the Seahawks. They're just they they they, they like you said they're a wagon right now. They're just. They're just doing all of the things that you need to do to be very, very good. And they're proving that. And the fact they're just whipping teams that are not, as you said, the Seahawks are not a 13 win team, but they're probably going to be a playoff team. Um, and they didn't look like they belonged to the same field out there um, after like the first four drives of the game. The Ravens have created explosive plays offensively, prevented them defensively. Again, the Metcalf absolutely happened. And Jigba had a big play at one point. Sure. They don't let balls go over their head. They don't throw. They have turned the ball over fumble wise, but I, picks and fumbles to me are not the same. Fumbles can be a little bit more 
defensive impacted, punched the ball out, made a play. The offensive player couldn't have done anything or not. Picks can also be tipped. Sure. Whatever. Interceptions make me hurt a lot worse inside. When I see the team that I coach or like or whatever, throw a pick, a bad pick is so much more demoralizing and feels so much more dumb. They don't do that. They run the ball effectively. They stop the run. Those are the things. A time of possession, whether people like it or not, especially at home, when the opposing team has to get one-dimensional to your point, Taylor, can't run the ball, you're going silent count, you're trying to go quick and silent count, you see false starts happen, quarterbacks get confused, all of those things. So balanced. They are the, the, the Thanos knife in the hand, literally perfectly balanced. They stop the run. Don't let up big plays over top. They run the ball well. They throw the ball. They win the turnover margin. They create pressure. I mean, what are they not doing? Jordan fucking Stout is banging beauty. <laughs> like, what are they not doing well? I think the, the DVO, their DVOA of special teams is like average. And it's like, what's going on? The Ravens special teams is like not great this year. They're only average. So it's, it's just buzzing on all phases. It's exciting to see. And... I guess my big take to kind of open it back up to you guys, and, and we don't want to stay on here, I don't think, too long. Any of us have anything grandiose, but Lamar Jackson being paid seems like it made him love playing and playing for the Ravens way more. And then you look at, to tease the Browns game, it's like, well, sure, the Browns won today, but it feels like, you know, is, is there a commitment there? Is there a love there in Cleveland of Watson, the Browns, like those kinds of things? And maybe that's a stupid fan take, but – Tucker and Lamar jumping out of their seats for Odell Beckham and just the way Lamar's conducted himself and plays and feels and looks is so rewarding to see as a franchise. He probably feels 10 times better than we feel, but I feel fantastic watching Lamar Jackson have fun, look good, play well, win. And we know, and we had a comment in here from, from Deuce, I think uh, 1042 always – Always up in here with us. He said, Lamar's not going to have good counting stats. I can't find it. He said, Lamar's not going to have good counting stats this year. And I don't think he gives a shit. I don't think he cares at all. He just wants to win at this point. That's all that's left. MVP, passing touchdowns, whatever, what paid, all of those things. Now all that's left to do is just win. And they're just Al Davis just winning, baby. I think you make a very good point. And I think that despite the like team speak in all types of situations like that, where it's like, this is not a distraction. I think that was a distraction and that distraction is gone. And everyone's now there's no, you know, secret about where the Ravens are going. Like, will Lamar be here? Will he won't. And all everyone in the organization in an organization feels that I think. And now that's gone. And the way, as you said, he's now gone about his business since that, point where we came on here and did an instant analysis about a contract signing <laughs> he's been nothing but an organizational leader and i think that the rest of the team has followed suit and they've gotten leadership around him roquan smith etc that has elevated them to another level as well um and for a point where there was a thought in the last 12 months even earlier than that that both lamar jacks could be gone from this franchise and john harbaugh could be gone from this franchise to where they are now is a great job by both of those two guys um, where it seemed like at certain points last year, there was a mass frustration from both of them over how that situation was progressing. They're now at a point where they can, you know, put themselves up against any team in the league right now on November 5th and say, we've got as much of a chance as win winning the Super Bowl as you do. That's a great job by everybody in the organization. Um, it really, really is and speaks to the stability of what they've done over a number of years. I think that's what I was sort of thinking about over the, over both during the Detroit game and this game of like, there were points last year where we'd be on these things and we'd be like, Oh my, I mean, this is, I mean, is this just like all kind of coming crashing down? I'm sure like, and now they're back to such a good point. Um, it's really awesome to see. I think, you know, these next, as you said, Spenny, the, the games coming up against good teams are going to be less almost stressful and more exciting to watch what they do and what they can continue to be. And I think people should have the expectations that they should be able to make a long run at this point. I don't think we knew that necessarily going into the year. I don't think we knew that even as 
recent as like the Tennessee game, but they've now gone on this run. They could easily be nine and zero, easily. I mean, that's what's great. It's like they could easily be like the clear best team in the league with that gaudy of a record. I almost think it worked and out. The for variance them. on the other side is not much. It's like six and three at worst. Yeah, it's not the the variance to the other end. The games yeah. they've won, they've decisively won. And obviously, there's the DVOA stuff that has them as like clearly the best team in, in the football. But I actually think the record worked out for them well because they're not sitting as like the clear number one team in the eyes of like if you look at the standings. Oh my God, the Ravens are nine and zero. Wow, they're steamrolling teams. That talk is going to continue to build if they continue to do what they're doing. But I think they sit in a little bit of a better spot where you're now not carrying this burden of being the best team in football from the beginning of November and trying to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a hard thing to do. Um, and they're not really going to do that until they roll into that stretch, right, where it's the Herbert and, and Tua. And, like, if they win all those games and win a lot of them comfortably, then they are going to be the prohibitive favorite. But they still have the Chiefs lurking on the other side, as you said, and so they always kind of sit as the prohibitive favorite. I think it's a it's an arms race versus the the proverbial peaking too early. And any coach, I think, will ultimately say that those things do creep into the locker room when you are the number one ranked team, whether it's college football, the NFL, the power rankings. It can creep in. It will get into your mindset and. Getting hot at the right time. Why does everyone always talk about it? Why does every coach in every sport always talk about it? It is a thing. When you play your best, most confident ball needs to be when it's time to try to win the championship. Needs to be the final push at the right time. So I, I love those points. Some people may be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Niner knows better. But what? No, I like I like that exact thought of peak into the tournament into the championship, those kinds of things. And it is that arms race, which to me in all of football, what is the exciting storyline? It's the five teams in the AFC that are vying for that one seed. Yeah. The NFC is a joke. The NFC is a joke. There's a couple exciting, you know, CJ Stroud's playing well. That's fun. Uh, the Steelers are really goofy. Uh, what else? I mean, the, the crux of football is the chiefs, the Ravens, the Bengals, the bills, the dolphins and the Jags. That's and, and I'll throw maybe I'll throw the Chargers in there too. That is what is exciting to watch storyline wise in this NFL season right now. Yeah, and and what's crazy is the six and two Detroit Lions are the second best team record is in the AFC, and we saw what the Ravens did them a couple weeks ago. That shows you kind of the gap between potentially the two conferences. I was about to say the same thing. Now it's this race for the one seed. I mean, it's going to be incredibly exciting to watch them try to get that because man, if you you want to host that Chiefs team here. You do not want to go there. I mean, that is a tough game to go win there, no matter how good you are. Um, and that's going to be incredibly is, exciting. My mind is totally all great, but Taylor Swift is a tough opponent. Yes. But Taylor Swift will be touring at that point, Spenny. So you mm. may not have to deal with her. <laughs> my mind has totally shifted to, and, and this was a shift today, how do we get an AFC championship to Baltimore? How do we make that a reality? How yeah. do we keep it away from Kansas City? What's been, what is it, four, five in a row that have been played there? That's insane. I don't think that's talked about enough that it's landed there every single day. They, they haven't necessarily been the one seed, obviously, um, but somehow, some way, it always ends up there. And we just need to break the chain. We got to make it happen. It's got to be. Chain, 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 yeah. chain. So I am in a very vulnerable place, and I'm comfortable with how vulnerable I am. It speaks to the balance again. We keep going back to the balance. I don't know where our weakness is. Where is it that we get blindsided from? Like, what area is the defect of this team? I can't find it right now. I think the only thing that hurts them is just the volatility uh, or the variability of that brown leather oblong football that yep. can get tipped can get fumbled, that is their propensity, is them having to play. We haven't had them, seen them really have to play in a negative script at all. The Ravens, going. the only yeah. game they've lost by more than one score was the Cleveland Browns' Tyler Huntley last year in Cleveland on, what, a Saturday game? I think they've played like 25 straight one-score losses or more positive to, than that in their direction. Something pretty crazy like that, so... Um, they're and in even it. Even in the games they end up winning, 
I can't hardly think of any situations dating probably back to the Colts Monday night football comeback where they were chasing multiple scores. It's been a while. It's been a while. So they're in it. And I think that is in a sport where there's so few games that are played relative to baseball or basketball or hockey as a fan to just really kiss the butt of the Baltimore Ravens, purple patrol, whatever you want to call it. You can not ask for more than being a fan of a team that is always in the game through the end of the fourth quarter every single week. It is thrilling. It is exciting. It is rewarding. It might be heartbreaking at times. You're not seeing clunkers from the Baltimore Ravens. They are not getting blown out. And, you know, a lot of that is Lamar Jackson. I think the other, I think it's basically Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh and the decisions they make and the way that they have conducted themselves. So, of course, when, you know, the wins happen, it's it's the big hug, kiss, smoochie pie fest. And uh, when they lose, you know, it's fire this guy. It's the harbinger of death. But, man, it's it's a fun team to watch. They're balanced. And I'm just excited to see what the rest of the season holds. And it feels like a, a special season that is different from 2019. They are balanced. They can do it all. The only two things I would say, Banks, to your point of, like, weaknesses that could catch them by surprise. And I don't even necessarily think these are weaknesses, but this is what I will scrape towards is two things. First of all, I still think at running back and wide receiver, they don't have like horses, horses. Like they have guys that are pretty good. Like we think Zay Flowers is going to be that guy. Odell Beckham has been that guy. Mark Andrews is probably the guy on this team that like, you know, when you're trying to make the drive to win the AFC championship, like that's the guy you feed the ball to. Um, and I've loved what they've, what their running backs looked like today, but ultimately none of those guys that are in that room have, you know, rolled into December and January and, you know, gotten it done. Not to say they can't, but like theoretically that could come back to haunt them. I don't necessarily think it will, but that is one thing my mind goes to. And I'm excited. I don't think this is a weakness. I'm just excited to watch them prove it defensively against a team like the Dolphins that has a waddle and a hill on, on the on the opposite sides so with a quarterback that can get them the ball. I that think is that, the team that I think that is a really interesting matchup for the Ravens defense. I think that the Eagles and I'll say the Chiefs, well, I mean, those two teams beat them. Maybe the Bills at times. The the issue with the Dolphins is when you can drop a lot of defenders, seven or eight defenders into coverage and get a pass rush still. And the Ravens have kind of been able to. They don't have the names, but they I mean they Justin, have. They they get push w- with four. Like they really do. Justin Matabike, Michael Pierce, freaking Clowney. Those guys do get pushed. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out. Um, I'm I just really hope we get to see the Ravens and the Chiefs play, man. I just yeah, I it it would be a it, yeah. I I want to see it in the playoffs. However, however way the cookie crumbles, I just think it would be a classic matchup and and really fun to see a Mahomes Jackson. Um, you know, we've had our Josh Allen Mahomes. We've saw Allen and Jackson play, and it was a clunker game in freaking Buffalo, and it was windy and crap. Deuce ten forty two with an interesting question here. Would you move on from John Harbaugh to keep Mike McDonald as head coach? I might consider it, regardless of how this year ends. You just don't do that in pro sports, but like losing Mike McDonald sucks would suck at the same time. Who brought Mike McDonald up? John Harbaugh. I mean, you do have to have some faith in your, your system of that guy. Um, It's not like the Harbaugh coaching tree is this powerful thing. Matt Weiss with his computer access (laughs) crimes. That is it of the Michigan stuff. That is the part that no one speaks about. about. It is so bizarre. No one talks about that. That Mike, Matt Weiss gets raided on computer access crimes. And also, like Mike McDonald got asked, they were like, "Do you have any comments about the fact that Michigan was stealing signs?" He was like, "Nope, <laughs> no, I have nothing to say." Yeah, I'm if already you're not out there anymore. You should be saying nothing. I mean, that's a smart move. Of course, uh, of course, I have nothing but respect for for that answer. But um, it it does stink if the Ravens lose Mike McDonald. You just I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be the Judas. I'll be the Howie Roseman. I would like Mike McDonald to be the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I feel like he is Harbaugh when Harbaugh was young. I don't know how to put it. He is at the forefront of creativity and pushing 
scheme and things like that. And I think Harbaugh is incredible. It's just that when you're a tenured head coach, when you're a Pete Carroll or an Andy Reid or a John Harbaugh or a Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick, someone who won a Super Bowl and sustains winning, nobody gets rid of you. That's just not the way that the world works. But um, man, Mike McDonald's freaking incredible. Incredible. He feels like if Rex Ryan was a normal person, kind of like when, when primed DC Rex Ryan, if he just was a professional instead of being like a foot lover and whatever. That's what's so interesting about your point that you made earlier about them challenging themselves, watching Mike McDonald's chess masses, chess matches against guys like Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. And like, that is going to be very, very exciting. I mean, that from like, a, I mean, Spenny, you're going to be in like schematic bliss for the, yes, I can't wait, especially because it's late in the season. Your mind. <laughs> it's late in the season. So these teams will be fully developed and know their strengths offensively. And they'll be building off of, you know, you get your, your zone game, then you get your boot game, then you get your play action shots. And then the wrinkles, the creativity really starts. And that's right where we're getting into right now with the good team. So I'm, I'm horny. I'm horny for it for sure. What else we got? Any, any fleeting thoughts, Brian, anything that tickled your fancy today that is just on the tip of your tongue. Sometimes you've got some we, little, I do. I, I, I regularly do. Um, we, we barely touched on Geno stone, just doing Geno stone stuff again. Like he made numerous great plays today. I'm curious to you who, who watches and pours over the film is he is the ball just finding him? Is it just a sample size type of thing, or is he playing great ball across the board? He is able to process. I think, and this is going to be the most condescending thing I might ever say ever about football. In the punchline podcast with Marlon Humphrey on last week's interception, Marlon asked Gino, Why were you over there? Were we in the wrong coverage? And Gino replied, I think verbatim, I was the hook and I had to carry number three out. It's like six or seven words. And I think that 99% of the people that watch football religiously every Sunday don't know what that means. And what Gino basically said was that my job in that play led me to go where I was supposed to go. And he was conscious of it. It was automatic. He could recall it cleanly you could see his eyes dilate when he talked about it he is preparing i would i would reckon that the amount of film he's watching is like a lot of players that get they get to a high level will do this creepy thing that uh oh my god what is the name of the seahawks linebacker from ohio state back in the day the the boz or no not the boz uh the other one. Oh my gosh not the boz his name's escaping me whatever a lot of guys now will take a projector and put it onto a wall and they will stand and they will go through their first couple steps as if it's a real play against their opposition and what their movements would be. And Stone said something about a projector like a month ago. He was like, yeah, when I was watching on the projector, I think he's watching an inordinate amount of film and it's second nature and he knows where the ball is going. And if there's a deviation in accuracy or a quarterback wanting to get rid of a ball or throw it high, Ed Reed's interceptions all looked like a joke. Because he knew where the interception would be. What, what's the name of the fucking guy, Brian, who catches all the home run balls that we all hate? What is his fucking name? Catches all the home run the, balls. The, oh, the fan. Yeah, 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 foul ball guy. That guy. That is what Ed Reed was. He knew yeah. where the foul balls went. It's not an accident. He knows where the foul balls are. He knows where it's going to end up. It's smooth. It's calm. It's never a surprise to him. It is him breaking with his hands up and clean. He knows where the foul balls go. And man, it's just, it's heart wrenching to think that a player like that, who has been so successful this season after, I don't, it's not like he fought through, I don't want to call it adversity, but just was patient and quiet and waited his turn and made plays when he got the chance to, and, and just is the epitome of, of play like a Raven. So him not being in Baltimore next year is, is heart wrenching. Um, really the, the trio, Matabike, Stone, and Queen, the three of those guys are all kind of like that. They all had to grow and learn and develop and fight. And um, it makes you want to throw up thinking about them not being there. But that's even more reason to enjoy the ride that you're on this year. Yeah. I mean, I hope he gets paid. Like that's, I think that's he gets I think he gets a minimum 
and this might be grossly low, but I would say the floor would be that he gets $25 million guaranteed somewhere in the NFL next year, which is a, a handsome amount of money. If you told him that a year ago, I think you'd probably take it. I mean, the oh, yeah. growth to get that to that point is, is pretty big time. So it definitely is. And I mean, all three of those guys, queen, huge tackle for loss, flying around the field today, Matabike, another sack has the most sacks of any defensive tackle in football. What? Seven and a half at this point has, I think, what does Matabike have a sack in five straight games and Geno Stone has a pick in four straight games? Like what the fuck is going on? Five out of, what the five fuck out of is going on? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, um, be excited, be happy, pack the bank, two divisional games coming up. The bank was great for a one o'clock NFC team that didn't have a lot of opposing fans. Bank was bank was rocking. Browns come then Bengals on Thursday night, pack the bank, buy tickets on Twitter, buy them from Ravens fans, sell your tickets to Ravens fans, skip the fees, skip all of those things. Um, you know, game time or someone, if you guys want to pay us, we'll say otherwise, but until that point, let's, uh, let's skip the fees on Twitter and sell to Ravens fans and get your ass out. I mean, if not now, if not now, when are you going to have fun being a Ravens fan? Go ahead, Brian. I declare Thursday night football against the Bengals. Thanksgiving. Wow. You heard it here first, guys. You fucking heard it here first. It's big brain stuff right there. Thanksgiving. Wow. Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. monumental. That's fucking yeah. monumental. Mm-hmm. Love to there hear might that. be some there might be some Thanksgiving merch coming out very quickly. Wow. Rocket. Uh, I have one take and it has nothing to do with the Ravens, but I need, we do these after the four o'clock games. So we can talk about kind of the Dan football, the Baker Mayfield followed by CJ Stroud drives today <laughs> is the fa- my favorite thing that I watched all day. But that it was, was, it was one of the all time post post game, like cut over and fill out the, the telecast slot games. Like I, I was ready to leave ocean city and I stayed and I glued myself to the couch and watch that because it was captivating the entire way through. The, Sorry, the, the Josh Dobbs thing was also going on at that point. That was also very exciting. But, man, Baker did all of the Baker stuff and weird stuff happened. Then he gets them in the end zone and he's losing his mind. And we're just sitting there and we're just like, this is why Baker is so fun. Like, this is why it's great that he's always in the league. And then CJ Stroud's like, okay, all right, like, <laughs> let me just uh, let me just grab the football here and uh, just kind of take us right down the field. And Todd Bowles. Let me tell you what, Todd Bowles might rival Mr. Harbaugh for the most, like, he looks bemused and bewildered on the sideline, and he looked so bewildered as C.J. Stroud was just announced himself um, in an even more way, or even bigger way, excuse me, uh, of what oh. he may be in the future. He was amazing today, but that that is that might be the best finish of the year in the NFL. Domingo uh, Ryan's was after awesome. the the fumble um, that the that Mike Evans was able to scoop up there. Oh my God! Looked like his soul left his body. Also, this was a this was a game where a running back hit a field goal, and I didn't even say that until <laughs> right now. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> CJ, what Stroud. a great game in Houston. Also, the running Stroud back. is rare as anybody who had Houston minus two and a half. By the way, there was also That's maybe thirty thousand people in Houston watching that game. A lot of empty seats. <laughs> so I just everything about it was just I was like this. I, I the Ravens game was like just switch we were at the bar I was like switch the game to this Houston Bucks game so they're just going yeah. back and forth the whole game oh that was the quintessential run them up goofy play that you want to see is a, a in red zone time as a fan my my stupid take will be that CJ Stroud reminds me a shocking amount like Drew Brees and I don't think anyone comp that I think the deliberate pocket movement and way he pushes the ball to the sideline is very Drew Brees like and I did I like not that. think I did not think that was something I was going to feel. Also, both very religious, proud, presidential kind of guys. When you hear C.J. Stroud speak, he is like an orator. He is a very presidential Captain America quarterback in that same vein that Drew Brees was. That he made a throw. It was yes. that the throw that you're talking about? That, that exact is throw. an elite throw. That is a yep. big-time throw. He dropped it on the sidelines. Del made a, you know, did a nice job getting his feet in, dragging the toe. But like you said, like, he was so deliberate. The word was deliberate. That wh- how you just summed him up. Like he never looked panicked. He never arm arrogance. Fast. He has true arm arrogance. He will put the ball where he wants to. He doesn't care if there's a defender that makes it like a awkward throw or whatever. The the one to Dell in the back of the end zone. He was just like, oh, of course I can put it in the exact spot I want to. It's not a question. It was just such a difference because they they had games all over the place and. 
the one o'clock game in this area was the commanders game. And so it was like, we've got to watch Mac Jones attempt to like go down the field and try to win the game. And then 20 minutes later, it was CJ Stroud going down the field with the game. I was like, these guys are, these guys are very like, if you're a new England fan, you're like, Oh my God, we don't have a guy like that. Like, that's just not the same guy. We don't have the same guy. The dichot- and, the, the separation of the dichotomy there is just disgusting. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to me as well because Stroud's best game of his life was against Georgia in the playoffs. Yep. And he just hasn't stopped. And that is scouting at its finest where it's like, well, if he could just keep doing that. And it's like, he probably can if you put him in the right spot. What was your, I don't remember, what was your Stroud versus um, Young like take? Like what, what, what I had no about? controversy on Stroud or Young. I said both guys are franchise quarterbacks. I was very high on Anthony Richardson as well and was like, That's all right. three of these yeah. guys should go top five. All three are studly. Um, I, I didn't have anything too crazy about I, – I still really like Young, and a lot of the guys that I respect are just saying that he doesn't have the physical tools that Stroud or Richardson have, and in hindsight it was stupid. But um, – I, I, it's going to take me a little while to quit on on Bryce Young. I'm not super high on him necessarily. I just think I've seen enough still. They asked too much of him too quickly. Like, think about the Texans-Ravens game week one. Stroud was not reading full field. He was booting. Throws were right in front of him. They developed him as the season went on. And then in, like, week three or four, he started to click. The Panthers were like, okay, let's immediately ask Bryce Young to do what, like, Philip Rivers was doing in an offense when he was a veteran. Like they're they're asking a lot of him. So um Stroud Boys, yeah, we have Matt L here. There's nothing better in my life than watching the Stroud Boys video. It's my favorite thing that exists. I think it's the funniest, <laughs> I think it's the funniest individual piece of random Twitter content that has happened in years. I love it. I love I am a Stroud Boy. Do you guys want to try to guess who Bryce Young's top receiver was today by yards? Tommy Tremble. Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Oh, I was going to say Hayden Hurst. Hurst. Yeah. He caught like a 50-yard ball. At one I point. saw. That's the only reason I knew because yeah. I had a recollection of him catching yeah. some scamper down well, the sideline. If you really want to be You're technical 40, about it, it was the cat that caught two pick sixes. But CJ Stroud is QB1. Yeah. I, I, like, mean, Anthony, he... I like Anthony Richardson. Bryce Young could be a very good quarterback. You can't play much better football as a rookie than CJ Stroud is playing. And honestly, good for the Texans. The Deshaun Watson situation sucked. I think the Texans are a hungry city for a good, fun football team and had it for a a couple years there, dating back to Matt Schaub, a little bit in and out. Deshaun Watson plays really good. So good for the Texans. Fuck Deshaun Watson and his whole stupid drama. I'm sure that was miserable. If you're a Texans fan, that was probably miserable to go through. So the Stroud boys are out in force and, and I'm a Stroud boy as well. It's hard not to root for D'Amico Ryan's too. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're player, he was like not heralded as much as he should have been. Yeah. Just does his damn job. It feels like an easy guy to root for. He could be one of the, the rare few. And I've had this take before in the past when I think every so often people say, Oh, Kel Ripken should manage the Orioles and all that shit. I'm like, no, those situations never go well. Ever, ever, when you just say, "Oh, this will be warm and gooey," let's put that guy in a position of leadership. But eventually, Demico, you have to fire Demico that guy. Went away and though, sucks. and and was elsewhere yeah. with Shanahan. So it's like, okay, it's he not earned good. it. Oh, of course, it exactly. wasn't just a wasn't just a Patrick Ewing at Georgetown situation. <laughs> Yikes! Yeesh. Tough. Anything else, well. Taylor? Chris, anything else? Chris Mullen, St. John's. No, I just the only thing I wanted to say because I'm I'm just jonesing on CJ Stroud right now. He's got 14 TDs in one pick. <laughs> oh my god most, I did not realize most I did not realize it was that good I did not realize most it was that good did, did his pick come today was his pick today he started his know. career with the most pass attempts without an interception no, in no he, it was he a couple threw weeks a pick ago. and they stripped him on the return so it, it wasn't even a true turn last week that was last week it was, yes. yeah. 30 for 42 475 touchdowns today more career touchdowns than Kenny Pickett. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and Dalton fucking Schultz are his uh, go-to yeah, targets. Not like he's got unbelievable weapons. He does have Bobby Trees, to be fair. Tank Dell is oh, my guy. I love Bobby Trees. I 
I love Bobby Trees. No, I have no more else to say. I just needed to get that taken because it's just like I also just love Baker Mayfield. I'm a Baker uh, guy. Anytime he can get involved, it's just with I just think we can all say this I, is a Baker positive podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on that drive home tonight thinking about CJ Stroud. So I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you brought that up. I was like, I was like, wow, man, that was fucking awesome. This yeah. episode might be called the the Stroud and the Proud. He's he to me, he's the story, he's the story of the day right now. Oh, and, yeah. and and the Chiefs and the Dolphins played this morning. Like he just I, he He's might be the story of the year right now. Yeah. I mean, they could, they easily can make the playoffs. Definitely. The Texans, they were, they've been terrible. Definitely. Sending them. I don't, is Will Anderson been good? I can't say I've watched them enough. Yes, he has. And there you go. I mean, that's great drafting. Just go get the number two and three picks and just take really good players. It's the a bear. The bears need to listen. The bears should take Marvin Harrison Jr. And Olu Fashanu take a receiver and a left tackle. If field struggles next year with that, then trade three picks and get another quarterback and then move on. That's my my Bears take. Look at what the Texans did. Take the best players with your top two picks. They're showing you what to do. Do it. Oh, Marvin Harrison's really good. He is fucking good, man. He is fucking yeah. good. It's elevating an Ohio State team that is not unbelievable offensively at all. I mean, they don't have much besides defensively. Them. They're the best they've been in years. They're very good defensively. They're very good defensively. This is my other stupid take on big 10 football Mich- <laughs> And this doesn't even have to do with the whole sign stealing, whatever Michigan spends their entire year trying to beat Ohio state. Ohio state spends their entire year trying to beat Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Like if Michigan loses to Ohio state, their season is over. If Ohio state loses to Michigan, it might not be over. And they don't really care as much as Michigan cares. This is my college football take for this year is I wish they had the 18 playoff this year. Yes. This yes. is the year. This is this would have been an incredible 18 playoff. I do I think there's like five or six teams that can win the national title, and that's not normal. I want Alabama to win so oh bad. my god. This would be sick. I mean, if Saban wins the national title this year, this would be fire. his best, especially his in best. like the the modern era or whatever. Milrow was special last night. Yes, Milrow was disgusting. Milrow, they benched him for Tyler Buckner, who's terrible. I mean, so me what, and my buddy, me and my buddy Andrew, shout out to Andrew if you're listening. But we have advanced theories on Saban versus Tommy Rees, knowing that they were going to be who was it? U USF, I think they did that against. Yep, they did. Someone like that. There, there was 4D chess going on of why they benched him. I, I feel like it was like Saban being like. Do you really want to put this guy in? Because they wouldn't call Milrose like they weren't calling power and counter and quarterback run stuff. It was like Milrow has to work in Tommy Ree's offense and didn't. They brought in fucking Mr. Notre Dame Buchner. He sucked against USF. And then I feel like Saban was like the, the guy on TikTok, the meme of like, do you see? It's Milrow. Stop messing around. <laughs> Call the plays for Milrow. Stop trying to get this Notre Dame kid in the game. Just cut it out. Like that so. first half they played against USF, I was like, Alabama might be over. It was so bad. They were so bad offensively. It was like stunning. And now they've just now, they're just, you know, you know, there were some close games, but the win against Tennessee was so impressive. I mean, we're in a full college football podcast now, but the, the win against Tennessee was so impressive. And this was impressive. And now they don't have a loss on their like they're gonna get to their you know they're right in there they're gonna get to the SEC them and Georgia will play in the SEC championship yeah oh my god final one on CBS it's gonna be great <laughs> and now right, CBS let's end it there let's end it now, there that was too good now that CBS I will say my other favorite part of the weekend football wise was CBS doing a dramatic intro and then going live with that music in Piscataway New Jersey. As Ohio State <laughs> record began, I laughed out loud. I was sitting waiting for the Maryland game to start, and it just like we're the SHI Stadium, SHI Stadium in Piscataway. As that music's playing, I was like, "This is the funniest thing I've ever seen." And then, and then Rutgers was great in the first half; just couldn't score yeah. a touchdown. They kept getting it down there. Shiano is running the freaking fumble ruski. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that was just incredible. But I was like, "This is what we're gonna do now. This is what we're gonna do with the CBS with CBS College Football. We're live from Rutgers." Rutgers, Rutgers is solid. Rutgers is solid. So that's Rutgers what that, I'll end it on. That. I needed to get their like 2007 status of how they were. Yeah, I needed to get that out in the world. That was just it was an amazing it was an amazing sequence. Can I get one more CBS? Which led into Missouri, Georgia, <laughs> which was a great game for some. A great game. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Well, I, I feel like that does it. We got it all that out. That would do it. Yeah. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe um, on YouTube, the podcast. Appreciate everyone checking in with us live here. Um, love the comments. It makes the show much more fun when people are commenting. So make sure to jump on in these when we do them. Normally around this like 7 to 8.30 type of time frame um, for the live shows. And then make sure to you know, like, uh, subscribe. The YouTube channel continues to grow. So we very much appreciate that. Um, make sure to follow us on social media. We'll just let it scroll at the bottom here. Exit 52 podcast on all your social media platforms. Um, at Barstool Banks. At Ravens for Dummies. At Taylor Spike 10. At Jake Luke. At E-D-I-T-T-I 22. All on X or Twitter, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, very much appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, and we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood. See ya.